0: Welcome to another edition of the Adam and Dr. Drew Show Classics. I'm your host, Big Brother Jake, and as always, we have a great show for you. First up, episode 250, titled The Radio Industry, which aired on June 27th, 2015. Adam breaks down the radio industry and and why it's doomed to fail and won't recover. He's quite the fortune teller. (laughs) Listen to Adam Wax Poetic on this topic. They also take your calls. Radio does not
1: Understand the difference between Jimmy Kimmel and Ricky Rackman. As a matter of fact, they prefer Ricky Rackman. Radio does not understand the difference between Adam Kroll and Danny Bonaducci. They kind of prefer Bonaducci. That's why they're doomed to fail. Literally, Jimmy was told to shove off of every radio station he was at. And when he finally got together with me in the biggest radio station in the world... They still didn't see the difference between him and Ricky Rackman. If you can't see the difference between Jimmy Kimmel and Ricky Rackman, and I don't mean this as a pejorative to Ricky Rackman. Just different. Well, no, different better, but different if you want to make money. If you don't see the difference between those two guys in terms of your company making money, you're fucked. And they don't, and they never did. And I don't, and they still don't.
2: By the way, now I would my program director over at uh, KBC. I would argue gets it. Okay, I want well, you to, meet him. You, I want you to every, tell me. Whenever you meet him, you tell me. Everybody better get it now. Well, th- isn't interesting though? That's maybe part well, of the reason everyone gets it because they're forced to
1: get it in yeah, 2015 because well, they're getting their ass handed to that's them. What businesses but they do, didn't right? fucking get it in
2: 1995 or 2000. Well, one of the one of the moves on radio is to get rid of talent altogether. Just do the computer, run the music. Uh, whatever it is, they, they wanted to get rid of talent
1: altogether in, in the 90s. In uh, I, the I was told team, Jimmy was not on
2: air to I would argue Kevin and Bean is one of the best farm leagues in history of radio. Just generating, throwing out Jimmy's talent. not there. I'm not there. <clears throat> yeah, but it throws out talent. Yeah, but they leave. No, I. But that's what a farm, right? Isn't that what? A- no, you're supposed to develop
1: them for the Yankees organization, oh, the organization. not to go I off see. and play for other teams all right, all right. and go do other things. Then maybe it's a training ground. Something. So like I that. used to say to the radio guys, whatever. I'd say, "Hey, go down to the groundlings and uh, scout some talent," you know. And they'd go, "What? What are the groundlings?" And I'd go, "Go down." When I did mornings. We I had a chance to get on in San Diego market. We were always super popular in. Yeah, and they got instead a morning team from like Phoenix or something in there. They just don't. They're fucking stupid. Well, actually, the what'll ruin any business is a combination of two things, and this is what radio's always been. And now they can suck it because it's fucking over. Here's what radio has always been: always stupid meets arrogant, and that is a combination you could never wish upon your child. If my son is stupid, I can live with that. I really can. And if he's arrogant <clears throat> but has an ounce of brilliance or talent, I can kind of live with that. I'm not going to be happy about it, but I can live with that. Stupid meets arrogant is a fucking horrible intersection. I've, I've come across many people in my life that have a... Astounding combination of both, radio is brimming. It used to be. Now no one gives a fuck. I, 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 with stupid meets arrogant, and you are fucked. You are driving that fucking tanker right into the rocky shoals when you are stupid and arrogant. And that's what radio has always been.
2: Uh, you have you've been out for a while. I would say I would argue it's significantly improved and stabilized. Okay, well maybe the guys who came before. Have fucked it so hardly that it
1: cannot be unfucked.
2: No, I think I think it's stabilized.
1: I, listen, okay, it's like, it's like send Jimmy Kimmel packing, everybody. No, no, I no. I well, they wouldn't do it today. No, but I don't know if they met a twenty-six-year-old Jimmy Kimmel today, would they send him packing? They did not want Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla together to do a show together.
2: Who would well, want that combination? Jimmy was
1: constantly fired, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah.
2: Listen, after you, uh, we we milled through. Uh, Listen, these, here's were the people that were felt not to be adequate for uh, filling your shoes, uh, love that because they just were not good radio. Daniel Tosh. Mm-hmm. oh, Joel McHale. All right. Uh, oh, shit. There was another one. And then you had the three. You had on your morning show. Remember, you used to have Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> uh, Joel McHale, Zach Galifianakis, and Louis C.K. And my
1: <laughs> program director did not want them on the air.
3: <laughs> they weren't good radio. I think he'd be a big Joe Coy fan. Yeah,
1: they did a lot of uh, Jack Silver's like, he literally pulled me aside and said, why does Joel McHale have to come in every week and and, and do his soup countdown or whatever it was? And I'm like, because he's a generous guy and he's super funny and this is great content. Yeah, but every week? (laughs) Why does Joel McHale have to show up in studio? Not Not phone in. Why does he have to show up in studio every week? That's Radio Baby. Remember, you said Zach wasn't funny. Zach was comedy deaf. <laughs> and how about Louis C.K.? Not funny. <laughs> well, there you go, everybody. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla shouldn't be on air together, and uh, Joel and Ugh. Zach and Louis should not be... They should be selling used RVs. That's the crystal ball of radio, everybody. So, of course, you'd want to go... Hey. I, uh, by the way, those guys should be picking stocks. I'd like to take those guys to the racetrack with me. Make some real money. Fucking retards. It's, All di- right. I, I, it's different. Good. I think, you, I think you ought to come back. No. All right. Let's see. You want to take a phone call up yeah, here? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let do it two. Three, three rather. Three's been yeah. on hold for a while. Hey, uh, Ivan, 42, Chicago. Get it on. What's going on, man?
3: Hey, how are you, fellas? Uh, but, uh, side note, uh, Catch a Contractor—the new way you guys are doing it with the behind-the-scenes—is awesome.
1: Oh, good! I'm glad you like it. Everyone seems to enjoy the new format-ish. Well, it's a reality oh. show, so why not show everything?
3: Yeah, yeah no, agreed, agreed, and it comes off a lot better. People Thank want you. to know what's going on behind the scenes, so it's I cool. agree.
1: All right, what's up?
3: Uh, my question Sunday is: Sunday night Dr.
1: Spike. By the way, tonight Spike TV. <laughs> Go ahead.
3: Uh, question, uh, Dr. Drew has been a huge inspiration for me. I just find, uh, his, uh, the Dr. Drew podcast, when it comes to addiction, I just find it fascinating. And, uh, it's one of those things I really look forward to listening to his podcast. So I'm kind of at a crossroads in my life as far as employment goes. And, uh, a friend of mine, uh, found a, uh, kind of a school that taught drug counseling. And, uh, he's like, you know, you would be great at, you'd be great at this. And I sat there and thought about it. I'm like. You know, in the back of my brain, that, that might be something I really want to do. So I was thinking about attending this school, but do I need to go to school for it? And also, once I do go to this school, say it's like a 12-month program or something, what are the chances of me getting a job in that field?
2: Well, the, most states now require thousands of hours of clinical work after the degree, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, and yes, you have to have training. You can't work with patients without adequate training and potentially licensure. Uh, but my question would be, why not get a clinical degree and, and then work with drug addicts, get something like a MFT or something? Okay. Uh, it's not that much longer, uh, and it gives you the ability then to hang out your own shingle and deal with a broader range of patients. Uh, and and drug, not listen, drug counselors are essential. I love the, I use them all the time. Uh, they do have potential to do more sort of one-on-one kind of work these days because personalized work sort of necessary because the landscape of drug treatment is so nefarious, so awful right now that you almost yeah. have to like clinically manage every patient on your own? But- well, let me say this too, Ivan.
1: Um, philosophically. Um, I've had a few people in my adult life go out and do something as adults. Uh, Mike Lynch, who works here, went out and got his degree and did all cl- clinical s- stuff and he's now he's now working in the the field, as well as working with us, um, but for a full time job. Yeah. Um, Mike August seems like a like a dream, but like ten years ago, just I think he went to the University of Denver or something. He packed up and just went there for a year, and he crammed. Uh, we can ask a him, JD
3: MBA into two years. In, Whoa! In, in, in,
1: from from two into one or or three in, into. Three and a two. two. Yeah, it took a three maybe, year d-
3: Yeah, maybe four and a two. It's it's something crazy. It's a yeah, full it blown like four JD four MBA. Yeah, and yeah. He did it four. in two years. And I get according to him, at the end of the stay, his advisor told him we allowed you to do this because we didn't think it was humanly possible <laughs> and we will never allow another human being to do this. Oh
2: nice.
1: Yeah. The other thing they didn't want any more uh, either is uh, one of the students was in China, I think, do, getting the exact same degree, at doing it via the computer, and blah blah blah. And they weren't so down on that either because well, that makes sense. They like people
2: coming in, yeah. buying books, and paying for it, it's housing. It's weird folks, how much they can, they can do, well, you know, via the electronics now. I gave a lecture. The to point my... is, listen, well, listen.
1: Well, quickly. Hold on, let me just finish. Yeah, Mike was forty. And he just went and did this. Yeah. And But, but, but let's not dismiss. Hold on. You blink your
2: eyes. That's the two crazy. years is done, and now decades pass. Not only that, the t- two years when you're 40 is easier to dedicate the two years when you're 20.
0: Welcome back to the Adam and Dr. Drew Show Classics. We have episode 262 on deck, titled The Boner Clock. That aired on August 8, 2015. Dr. Drew talks about his son's travels across Europe, and it goes off the rails, quickly. I mean, the title of the episode is Boner Clock. <laughs> I'll let them explain it. How you doing, Drewski?
2: Good. hmm You know, we are talking about my uh, son Douglas who's out here working his ass off. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other one's touring around Europe. However, he... Uh, you give me so much shit about my kids over the year, Maybe that's why I feel the need to defend them. What shit? Oh, how I'm going to give them eating disorders, and I'm like not giving them grit, and I'm too focused on the education. I had a little uh, prognostication Yeah, yeah. Going there was a little bit there. of yep, You were right. Uh-huh, right.
1: right. Well, I didn't sick. say it
2: didn't happen. I said that you were giving me shit about him. So, But here's the deal. Yeah. Uh, so Jordan's in Europe, and he goes uh, emailed me today. I'm great. I'm in Antwerp. I'm on my way to Amsterdam in a week. Uh, this past week, I was staying with a woman working in her garden in exchange for accommodation.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that. My bank account
2: is dropping fast, so I plan to work while traveling to save money and help my resume. Yeah. <laughs> the resume, the gardeners.
0: I'm sure he's <laughs> striking absinthe
1: and being blown by dude right now, <laughs> but it's like if I tell my dad I'm working all the time. By the time I'm working all the time, it'll just shut him up. Like I know my dad, <laughs> I'll just keep explaining them. and the guy's blowing him like this dick out of his mouth. He's like, um, "Why don't you tell me you're working in a garden? That's kind of a thing people do out here." Okay, good. For exchange, for what? For for sucking cock? No, 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 no. For for uh, for room and board. Oh, okay, all right, all right. Does that include sucking? <laughs> no, no. You, just don't even forget I even brought that up.
2: <laughs> he Interestingly, his first experience, we started in London two months ago. His first experience was some guy begging him to let him suck his cocks for money. Really? Yeah, like a,
1: so how much did he pay him? It's a weird wiring, the let me pay you to,
2: we, uh, yeah. No, no, it was he guy wanted money. Yeah. That wanted money. That oh, wasn't he, pay you to do it. it was, I got it wrong. He, okay. he, he wanted money. Okay. Um,
1: the experience of travel, I, I, it, it's so
2: foreign. I mean, the, the Corollas didn't me. go on their after-college world tour.
1: <laughs> it's comical. We didn't, I didn't know how one... When I went to the airport oh. with Jimmy Kimmel oh. at age, like, 30 and a half to go to New York. It was a strange and mysterious world, you know, the airport. There was plans and discussions about when one would be picked up and how does one <laughs> get from the curb to the where the actual airplane is. And
2: no... That was before all the security stuff,
1: pre nine eleven. Still, Still no capacity to negotiate any of that stuff. I mean, it is the... Um, You know, it's weird because it's invisible. The experience part of life is invisible. This, uh, you know, I don't know. People call it confidence. I'd rather call it just sort of experience, sort of
2: been there, done that. I yeah. I, I don't know. There's a thing of um, – Well, it's weird that apprenticeships were like no good for a long time. And now people are going, oh, oh I guess that's how we learn. It's through experiences. We do things. Yeah. Well, yeah, i
1: give you a, an example. But then I'll – bring it on back to what we're talking about. Um, as you listen to this, I'm, I'm getting ready to get the car ready to go up to Mazda Raceway there and race yet another car. Is it, this your new one? Yeah, this Ooh. is a new uh, Newman car. And uh, so people say to me all the time, you never drove this one before, so what are you doing now? And I always go, yeah, well, the, the, good, the good part about driving all the different cars all the time is nothing's ever new. Right. You're never quite at that comfort level, but if you drive so many different cars and you have so many different experiences, you just sort of step in your next experience. And within three and a half laps, you're just sort of up to speed. Yeah. And that'll be that. And so what's missing as it pertains to the haves, have-nots in this society so we talk a lot about money, but it's not really money. It's experience. It's experience. You know what was missing for me, my whole adolescent life and then adult young young adulthood life was the experience of what are you working on there? Drew? Nothing. I'm just. I'm listening to you. I'm just. Uh, you can't hear. Put I the hear phone it, down. Put the phone right, down. Fine. Put the phone. The down. experience of you're the right. Experience. You didn't realize how rude that is. The experience of. You know, filling out things, getting this, applying for that, just you, you know how to how to just literally go about life. You know, you you, you think about. Well, you've these, always
2: talked about how you wish somebody had, like touch out to write a check, or just, a check or just just gone
1: out and experienced that part of life, where which is to say, what's going on on the poor side of the tracks, or the inner cities, or the Ozarks, or whatever. It's it's not that those people aren't. It's not it's not that you need cash. You don't need cash to apply for a job. That's why you're applying for a job. Right. And in today's world, you don't need that much money, really, for a lot of things, including travel. But when nobody lets you know it's possible, or how to even begin to do it, yeah. or, you know, look, how do you travel? Well, the first thing you need is you need a credit card. You can't book a flight. You can't get a... Uh, you can't book a hotel room. You can't get a rental car, whatever. You need a piece of plastic with your name on it, Otherwise, which I never had. No one in my family ever had one. So how are we going to even begin to embark on this process of doing anything? So
2: it's sort of like a narrowing of horizons. Like the horizon literally doesn't exist to you. You don't know what's
1: there. Yeah, you, you don't know what's there. You don't know how you get there. You don't know anyone who yet, goes
2: there. It's strange. I, I don't disagree with your point, but I'm just thinking about how Immanuel Kant never left Konigsberg. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just, and yet managed to... The
1: guy who wrote the Rocky theme?
2: No. Different guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, he lived around the Coney Island area, I think. He was definitely on the Did East he? Coast. He must be
2: doing pretty well now. Yeah.
1: Immanuel Kant never left Konigsberg? Yeah.
2: What's that mean? (laughs) I'm saying that this is a guy that interpreted, you know, had a a Copernican revolution in philosophy, and yet his horizon was limited to this little town in Germany. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh,
1: well, look. There there are a few. Few and far between, there's some great minds that just happen to be able to, uh, you know, plop down and see paint, it all. Just, paint yeah. chapels they've never seen before with yeah. their foot. Right, right. And, and get it exactly right to scale. But those aside, it's just a sort of going out. No, I agree. And, 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 and understanding that there's a world, and that you can have a credit card, and that you can make travel plans, and you can apply for this and fill that out. I, I'm very much that
2: way. That I don't understand things really don't until I've done them. Yeah, well, I it's, really how, don't. it's how everyone is yeah. pretty much. And Some so people more of those. I, I noticed when I was in medical school. When, once we hit the wards, I thought, oh, this experiential training we called it. Uh, I respond to this. This. Well, this. I understand. Other people are wired differently, no, no doubt
1: about it. But in terms of the haves and the have-nots, I can tell you that dropping off a check to the have-nots is not going to fix anything unless the have-nots parents or community start to, or and we recognize, we stop making it about currency. So it's just money, 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 you know. They don't yeah. have enough money. Well, first off, it doesn't matter how much money you have if you don't have a brain that can do something with it or well, process it or well, whatever it.
2: Yeah, and I was thinking of this This would prompt – I didn't get into it the last episode we did, but it was what prompted me to talk about my own abuse and stuff like that. Is that, is that you – there's – I always – I put a lot of emphasis in my career on people's regulation of their emotions, their ability to – Manage emotions, uh, and and a lot of that is based on traumatic heritage. Like they have childhood things, and it makes them difficult to regulate emotions. But I was thinking today, you know, we're in a, we're in a time now where yes, there's all this emotional dysregulation. But but I, I guess I was thinking to myself, I, I these emotions don't bother me anymore. But my worldview is not all that different than it was by what was formed by those feelings. Mm-hmm. Remember last time we talked about. You know, having selfishness, you know, having a relationship with a selfish person, you see that person as selfish. Or I was raised with sort of, of financial abuse, like there's, there's going to be disaster around every corner. I can't get emotional that out
1: the- financial abuse.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Not actual I, I bet you're sort of financial abuse. Right. Emotionally beaten up for you know needing clothing, whatever. And, and I thought, wow, I can't get that disaster around every corner out of my worldview. I can't get it out. Right, I, I don't think you can get it out, but I don't. I don't. It doesn't bother me. I don't have emotions about it. Uh, it's just a just a. It's a point of view that. I'll
1: tell you what. A couple things, Drew. I didn't grow up around emotional financial abuse, but I, there was no money and a and a very strong beating of that drum, which is we don't want to participate in life. We don't want to participate in your life and we sure as fuck don't want to get out of the house and go drive you somewhere so what we will do is we will circle back to being poor as the reason for which we cannot do any of the things that you would like to do right so if you like a ride somewhere we'll talk about how much gas costs and if you'd like to go in the robot building club we'll tell you that it's you can't do that it's cost prohibitive you know everything we'll everything we'll do will just circle back to money and that way we won't have to do anything you right. want to go out to dinner tonight we can't go out to dinner. We don't have any money. Right. And it'll be easy. Now, we don't want to go out to dinner because it involves getting dressed. It involves going in public. It involves interacting with our family. Yeah. It involves a, a possible scenario where there might be some enjoyment or something. But we'll just, super easy, every, every excuse will just go right back to, now, we, now, we got no money. Now
2: somebody could argue that they got into that state by sort of being beaten into it by not having money. They just gave up. But but I would argue back. well, they have money now, and yet they have the still same same point of view. I, I well,
1: but I'm I'm saying it to you. I, I I spent the lion's share of my adult life poor, and it didn't slow me down that much. If I wanted to go out to eat, I would sort of figure it out. We'll be right back with
3: more of the Adam and Doctor. Drew show classics.
0: Welcome back to the Adam and Dr. Drew Show Classics. And finally, episode 280 titled Affordable Housing, which aired on October 10th, 2015. Adam talks about the homeless epidemic and he feels there's many reasons as to why the lack of available housing isn't the only problem. Check it out.
1: I don't know what percentage of homeless people are homeless because of a housing shortage or an apartment shortage. I lived in a one bedroom with three dudes. It wasn't a problem. It wasn't comfortable. I literally had a bunk bed, and another guy slept on a pull out sofa in the living room. And there was one bathroom, but we took the four hundred and sixty six dollar a month rent. We whacked it up three ways. Um, it wasn't. There weren't supposed to be three of us living there, but hey, at buck sixty each or buck fifty seven each uh, a month, we could do it on seven bucks an hour. Whatever I was getting for digging ditches, so or there's a family, there's a guest house, there's a pool house, there's a garage, there's a spare bedroom, there's a family, there there's a there's a unit, there's a structure, there's something. The, 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 we don't have boxes to put these people in is not addressing the problem right. of the psychiatric issues right. and the drug and substance abuse. To me. Building more boxes to put these people in in a cheaper way is going to have some impact on it. It's not, it's not, it's not going to
2: cure any problem. On my, uh, I have a show at KBC here in Los Angeles, uh, and a guy called in, and he was recovering homeless guy, and he had a job now driving a truck. And uh, he said, you know, the way I got out of this was, first of all, I wasn't that sick, but I had some issues. But the social worker helped me out, put me in vocational training. I followed through, and goddamn it, over about two years. And he goes, and you know what we need to do? We need to have these. We need something like a like a, a big apartment building. This is what he described. He goes, we need a big apartment building that you know we can put them all together in this one place, and then there we need to have social workers and doctors and really. I'm like, okay, well that's a that's a hospital. You need, right. a, you need a state hospital. Yeah. We need fucking state hospitals again. Yeah. And there's a homeless guy saying, this is exactly what we need. You help my peers. And I'm like, yeah, no kidding, everybody. And we just recoil against that. We're just well, refusing to do it. Look, what we need, Drew,
1: and you notice that the pop homeless population in Los Angeles has gone up about five or tenfold in like just the last five, six years. And look – You don't need to be
2: walking around with a clipboard as a statistician. You just drive through this town and look around. And and let me just say one more thing. Uh, I forget where it is now, but there's a television series out there that chronicles the homeless thing and where it got started. And they honestly talk about the fact that it was Kennedy that closed the state hospitals. Everyone goes, oh, it was Reagan to save money. No, no, no. It all got finished during Reagan's era, but Kennedy – close down the state hospital because who the fuck are you, man, to keep somebody fr- from being free? How, they, who, dare, how yeah. dare you keep somebody in a hospital? Well, Kennedy's, so it's one flu of the cuckoo's nest, man.
1: Kennedy's not the man. So right. we have right. to blame the man for this.
2: <coughs> Kennedy was too busy. Much- you know, it's Patrick f- Kennedy. It's, it's Patrick Kennedy's his expose and his family are you know, fucked up There their addictions. Included in that, his uncle closing down the uh, state hospitals. Wow. Well, anyway, doesn't fit the bill for the man. Yeah.
1: So we have to pick a guy who does fit the bill for the man, and right, that's Reagan. Right, right, right. So Reagan's the man. He shut everything right. down. Which he did not. Uh, well, yeah, but it's not fitting our narrative. You're so right. we'll stick with the it's man. Crazy. Uh, number one. Number two, what's really been shut down is the family system. Yeah. And if you think about your last line of defense and everyone's last line of defense between out on the street pitching a tent, under the overpass where would it, your kids be without their family
2: well think about that
1: well I, my my kids could never be homeless because i'm here my wife's here
2: and we work and we save and we focus and to be fair even as fucked up as your parents were, they'd pick up that slack if they had they do something you know what i mean they well
1: would... look the, the the bottom line is is if, if if whatever happened to me happened to me
2: I would be crashing in my dad's garage in perpetuity. So, uh, which is funny, uh, I heard Margaret Mead, a famous anthropologist's daughter, talking about this issue and family. And she, she was talking about what families provide for education, safety, security. And something she added in there, which I had not thought about, she, it's continuity. Mm-hmm. We've just fucking given that up. We have divorces, man. We go whatever. Continuity is... Stability through time, generation to generation, yes. passing things on. We don't have that at all. We don't even no. think about that in our families anymore. Well, look, I here's here's my my
1: humble take. I'll give you my home humble take on this and I'll tell you how to get rid of homelessness. I it's the one no one brings it up, but I'll tell you how to do it. First, life lock. Public Wi-Fi, online banking. Shopping, it's easy. You're connected today, but so are the identity thieves. That's right. That's why I trust LifeLock. They use proprietary technology. And uh, unlike those free credit monitoring services uh, that uh, you hear about out there, these guys have a dedicated U.S.-based staff so they can restore your identity. They're out here. They're not calling Kuala Lumpur. (laughs) No, it's out here. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses all the time, but your identity is worth protecting. It's twenty fifteen. So much of the stuff you do is so easy now. Make an air make, remember? You don't buy an airline ticket, you have to go to the airport. Or their ticket agency. I used to, to find work for a yeah. Now, now you just, hey, Matt, go online, give them the credit card, right. get those tickets going. Yeah, but protect your identity. Now you get to save all the time of going to the ticket place or the airport and standing in line and filling out stuff, whatever it is. But it's going to cost you nine ninety nine a month. That's it. Plans start at nine ninety nine a month. LifeLock,
2: Drew. And if you visit lifeLock dot com now to experience the peace of mind only LifeLock can provide, using the promo code Adam. Again, promo code ADAM. You'll receive a special 10% discount. That is exclusively for the podcast listeners. Visit lifelock.com. Experience the peace of mind that only lifelock.com can provide. All right. So
1: I hear people talk about homeless all the time, and what are we going to do? Uh, well, as I've said a million times for people that think, well, you're just some sort of right-wing nut job who hates the government – um, if the government was effective at taking care of problems, the like government. the homeless, yeah. then I'd be, well will let them take care of it. We wouldn't be having this conversation. I live in L.A. Drew's talking about, it's really Waze that has opened my eyes to this, because you don't see homeless encamp- encampments on the freeway. Right. But when Waze kicks you off. Under the freeway. <laughs> and Strangely you go enough. under the freeway, yeah. then you start passing homeless encampments. <laughs> now. Uh, it started in downtown and it's spreading its way out. It's oh. making
2: its way from downtown. Have you downtown. seen the, the river alongside the uh, Pasadena Freeway? No, I haven't even seen that one. Oh, the entire riverbed. It's, it's a giant, like, it looks like a campground going all the way along the freeway. It's, right. It's, but it's pretty wild looking. It's pretty intense. Yeah. Uh,
1: I would argue that, you know, Los Angeles for the amount we pay in taxes and for the bustling... Uh, Vanguard, tip of the spear,
2: metropolitan city we are has way too much of this. It's insane how tolerant we are of this. I talked to another guy, another a guy on a KBC. I, I get to interview interesting people, and uh, this one guy was uh, an advocate for homeless, and he was saying that we. This is just an interesting idea. He said we think about the homeless incorrectly. He goes, "These these are the people that, in the day of frontiers, they would hit the trail." They would get their wagon, or in the, when the British sent people to Australia, these are the guys they sent to Australia, and they would, in in a certain setting, thrive, right? And that we should find a, a setting, a way to do that, to sort of, you know, put them out there in the in well, the, in the frontier, so to speak. I,
1: look, whether it's the homeless situation or the school to prison pipeline, uh, we need to stop supplying a banana clip. Filled with rounds of human beings that can be shot into the river, or shot under the off ramp, or shot into the school to prison pipeline. I just like to empty the banana clip. Once you start firing them, then it's like, well, what are we going to do with all these stray people that we're shooting all over the place into the prison, into the homeless encampments? Like, I, I, I get all that, and there is something to be said. See so me get the family back together. That, so we don't have
2: the banana clip.
1: I well, let I'll put it to you this way. Yeah. Uh if you listen to the Huffington Post, their thing is, first is, this is a problem and they demand it be fixed. And shame on us for not fixing it. Thanks. Okay, good. (laughs) Thank you, John Lennon. War's not the answer. Now, where are the solutions? You're saying war's not the answer. Good. I'm with you. Where are the solutions? Because we have a pretty rich history with people going to war. So you making... The proclamation that war is not the answer, that someone needs to do something about this homeless situation, I agree with you. Now, what is the solution? Your solution is we need more, and then it's fill in the blank. More counselors, more doctors, more low-income. By the way, I don't think – I really don't think low-income housing is going to put a dent in this. No, no. They need state hospitals. Yes, it would – Uh, I'm going to be generous. The issue
2: is not the housing. It's it's the the treatment and and vocational rehab. Well,
1: can I say this? Uh, Drive up and down Normandy Boulevard in Los Angeles, there is low-income housing. It's called shitty apartments with 15 people living in it. I, I used to work in those. I used to earthquake, rehab those places. They're pieces of shit, but you can put three or four people in a one-bedroom and get it for 600 bucks a month or 800 bucks a month and make it work. I mean, you could fucking panhandle your side of the rent by noon
0: every day. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening to The Adam and Dr. Drew Show Classics. Remember to check back each week for new episodes. And while you're at it, don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us five stars wherever you get your podcasts. I've been your host, Big Brother Jake. Thanks for tuning in. Deuces!